Welcome to the Holistic Health Podcast. I'm your host, Susan Scollin, and each week I interview everyday people who have transformed their health and the amazing souls supporting them on their journey. Be inspired. So welcome to the new and improved or next version of Holistic Health with Susan Scollin as we moved into the podcast, which will now be renamed to My Life Beyond Postnatal Depression. And I'll bring you more on that at a later date, but we have a special episode with the one and only Christopher Deal. Hi. <laughs> Thank you for joining us today. That's okay. And for anyone out there who didn't know, Susan Scollin is my beautiful princess wife. <laughs> and she's asked me to come on this podcast today. And as I was saying a minute ago, I think the microphone's in the wrong position. So we're going to have fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's been entertaining already and we've only just started. This Absolutely. Is, this is our life, isn't it? It is. It is pretty much our life. This is what it's like. Sue says A, I say B, and then we eventually figure out that A was probably right to start with. And I just change my answer and say, well, I got it. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But the my life beyond postnatal depression is not just about literally my life and how it evolves around you and Teddy and everything that else. Has anyone ever heard a woman <laughs> say, it's not about me before? <laughs> and anything else in the between. It's also about the pregnancy journey. It's about the fertility journey. It's about the before journey as well. So we're going to cover off on it, hopefully on a few things today. And I'm pretty excited about what we're going to talk about. Oh, uh, well, you see, there is actually a precursor here. I said to Suze just a few minutes ago, I said, but what if you don't like the answers? And what was your answer to that? Oh, I'm open to anything. And so. I said, well, I'm open to giving you any answers as long as I can still get laid later. <laughs> <laughs> and if you just spat out your coffee, <laughs> my apologies. Welcome to Susan's world. She gets this every single day. Yeah. Oh, no, she doesn't get that lucky every day because, you know, I have to, sp- I have to save myself. But, you know. <laughs> so come back to our journey with yep. having a child. And what was something that you used to tell me? Do you remember what I... I was too old. Simple as that. I was too old. I'm like 468,322 years old, and I was always saying, I'm too old. I've been there. I've done it. I've got grandchildren. I don't want to go back and start again. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was actually a very big decision. Yeah. So what were some of the hurdles? Obviously, the age thing, but what were some of the other things you were telling yourself or other things that were coming up for you? Um, That I wouldn't be here when Teddy grew up. That, that I'd fall off the planet before he grew up and that, you know, I didn't want that to happen because I don't want to ever imagine Teddy having to turn around to Suze one day and saying, but I don't remember, Dad. It's been too long. You know? <laughs> and so, <laughs> don't you cry. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, they, they were very real hurdles for me because I do have a health condition that sort of, you know, um, puts me on the higher end of the probability <laughs> of falling off the planet scale. Hopefully it won't happen, but you never, never know. But nor does anyone. And so that was a major hurdle. It was also, there were other things that came into it as well, which I didn't consider at the time. So we'll, we'll cover it. Like, it was mainly the health and the fact that I was 50 years old or 50 plus and going, wow, but, you know, when he's 20, I'm 70. And shit, look at the 70-year-olds. <laughs> Do I really look that old? <laughs> Which is funny because, you know, you're 60 now yeah. and you go to the doctor and they go, are you sure that you're 60? Yeah, she's actually, Susan's actually telling the truth there. I was at the GP up here recently and he said, are you sure you're 60? You're not like any 60-year-olds I see. But I'm like, yeah, well, trust me, looking at, you're looking at it from the outside in. If you have a look from the inside out, I feel 60. <laughs> that was kind of cool. But what shifted you? Like, Because I, I remember a, an early, really early conversation when we were sort of dating – 
not that I call it that, but we're friends. Um, and you said to me, I'm never getting married and I'm not having any more children. That was your kind of lines. And I went, I've been there and done it. Yeah. I've been there and done it. Why do I want to go back and do it again? I mean, first time was, yeah, yeah, well, it's so much fun. Uh, <laughs> you know? I mean, and I say that tongue in cheek because I do have you know, three other children, all of them grown. And if it wasn't for my ex-wife and um, whatever, then that wouldn't be the case. And so whilst I can say, yeah, why would I want to go there and do it again? Um, you know, even when things end badly, there have been good parts of it. Yeah. And, but the challenge for me was, why go back? Why go back? I was approaching 50 years old. Why, why go back and start again? Because that's what it felt like. Mm. You know, why throw myself back 20 plus years mm. in evolution and in life and being able to do things that um, and start it all? And how did I know? Did, did, was I convinced that we would be forever at that point? At, literally at that point, way back then? We were yeah. married. Oh, when we were married, yeah, I was convinced by that. Oh, right, yeah. sorry. You mentioned when we were, like, before yes, we were married. Yes, yes, yes. Just Before we were married, no, not. Because, like, Susan had these moments. Oh, I'd, <laughs> I'd, I'd do everything right. Trust me, I did. And she'd say, yeah, no, yeah, that doesn't work for me. And she'd walk off. And I'm like, what didn't work? <laughs> so did I know that it would be forever? No. Yeah. It wasn't until later that I knew it would be forever. And later, kids weren't on the table. I mean, in reality, when we first got married, kids' children weren't on the table. Hmm. You know, you were devoted to your netball, you are devoted to everything like that, and it wasn't until you decided that, and correct me if I'm wrong, I'm sure you will, um, <laughs> you decided to stop playing netball, that kids suddenly kicked in. Oh, I was still playing netball at the time, but my netball career was, was winding, down. winding down. Yeah, and so so suddenly no, kids like... kicked in. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Hang on a second. There was never going to be any of those little things running around. When did this change and can I get on that bus? Like, you know, the one back to the other station? <laughs> you cracked me up. <laughs> so, do you remember that conversation where we decided to try? No, vaguely. Vaguely? Do you remember where and when and all no. that sort of stuff? No. Yeah, so we were on the Gold Coast at Masters. Oh, good. Yeah, be... <laughs> I was at Netball. <laughs> yeah. Probably 2010, mm-hmm. I'm thinking. Teddy was born in 2013, yeah. So yes. And then I just said to – and we had had conversations prior to this mm-hmm. about whether or not we would have a child, and you always drew me a map of the world, like the globe, mm-hmm. and then you went, this is Sue's without children, like flying yeah, around. Yeah, that's very true. The car flying. Yeah. And then this is Sue's with children standing still, basically. Yeah, and also, look, there's a bed. That's Susan in the bed. You can tell, like, eight hours a day, human. <laughs> Nine hours a day, smiling. Ten hours a day, great to be around. <laughs> Throw in a child, yeah. What, bed? What's a bed? <laughs> <laughs> and we did have those challenges, of course. Oh, absolutely, yeah. we did. So when I asked you what was then the shift, what had... What shifted for you then to say yes? Uh, I think it was just conversations we had. I honestly honestly can't remember, yeah. but I think it was more around the conversations we had and the fact that, you know, I was really convinced, you know, at that stage, it wasn't too long since my heart attack, since my first heart fart then. Yeah, which and, was 2008. Yeah, so. and so I, I still wasn't convinced that I'd be around at the end of the year, <laughs> you know, let alone in five years, 10 years, 20 years. Yeah. But then I think we had a conversation where it was like, but what guarantee was there when you were 28 or 30 when my other kids were born? Yeah, or when with my brother. And Yeah, and there's none. There's no guarantee. You can walk out and get hit by a bus at any time. And you said um, Oh, yeah, absolutely. Who gave the bus driver my photo? <laughs> um, and so I think it was just coming to the realisation or acceptance that it didn't really matter. You know? I mean, Elton John, 
adopted a kid at 62 years old. Shit, he was older than me. Mm. And I'm still not over there yet. These kids growing up. So, mm. you know, granted, he had $658 billion in the bank and could do whatever he liked. And, oh, what do you mean can't travel? Hang on, hop, private jet, come here, please. <laughs> yeah. Whereas we're like, taxi, <laughs> can you take us halfway home? Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, so I think it was those conversations mm. that sort of changed it. Mm. Yeah. And for us, it wasn't a straightforward journey. No. Do you remember much about that? Well, the fact that, well, I'd been snipped 30 years earlier. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, a non-reversible so, vasectomy, so therefore we couldn't, couldn't reverse it. No. Yeah. And therefore we had to go through. Had we went to fi- well, we ended up having to figure out that we, yeah, IVF was the way that we had to go. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I remember all of the IVF journey. Yeah. That uh, was never pleasant, especially for you. I mean, all I had to do was get a needle in the knackers. <laughs> We well, had to have a little cut too. And oh, yeah, I know, but I mean... And go um, under. And I ha- have to admit, doing it the other way, like the natural <laughs> way, is way more fun than someone grabbing your balls and sticking the needle in it. But, you know, I um, mean, one of them you're smiling at the end of it, the other one you go, oh, God, I can't walk. <laughs> yeah, and that was funny when this, the last time, the teddy time, when <laughs> we got in the car because Annie was taking us home she had dropped us there and was taking us home and she and was, his sister. yeah and she was the one of the one few that knew about it at that stage so we had ella on, so in the back seat was ella and hayden her kids and i had to climb so here i am oh here we go <laughs> break out the violins so we'd done the egg pickup for me so i had had an ultrasound put up in my vagina with a needle on the end and they suck out all the eggs to do the egg pickup and I'd been knocked out. It's a light anaesthetic, but I'd been knocked out for that sort of thing. And you had had your sperm taken at the same time. Yeah. You had been knocked out for that. Yeah. So there was no way Chris could get in the back between two children. I oh, can't get seats. in the back of a car without having the balls cut open. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was and, and in my defence here, women have things put in the vaginas all the time. What? Guys do not have their knackers cut Ever. <laughs> right? And then Annie had to slam on the... Oh, something had happened. Yeah, someone she cut used the brakes. No, like, someone cut her off and she's like, what would you prefer me to run up the back of them? Well, what, yeah. Pain? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was hilarious. It was a fun journey, but it was a horrible journey for Suze. Uh, well, having said that, yeah, it's got a pretty good outcome third time. But there were parts of the IVF journey that were just atrocious. It really came down to... Who your provider is, I think. Um, the first time we just had, for us, the wrong provider. And the level of care was, you know, um, non-existent, especially when things go wrong because they're taking your money and they don't want to know when things go wrong because they want to just take your money. But the second time or third time when after the first couple, when we changed to um, Nikki Sykes, mm-hmm. yeah, she was fantastic. And she is the best doctor in the world if you ever, ever want to go down that path. I mean, we're having this meeting with this and she's a doctor right so she's probably seen lots of things so she tells Suze to go in a strip because she wants to check her out and make sure all the bits are in the right place and then she tells me what do I have to do I had to do something I had to go home and knock the top off or something and she said and if you're good she'll give you a blowjob and I'm like I like you (laughs) I wasn't there for that conversation yeah you were oh was I yeah and you're just like I will (laughs) well why did you have to do that what's what was oh, you've got, to, you've got to continually take care of it to build up the sperm count because even though you've had a vasectomy, you know, that just means the swimmers don't get out but everything else gets out. 
and you still ejaculate and everything, but all the swimmers are stuck in there in the tubes and they just naturally disappear after a while. But the more that you actually have a go at it, then the more swimmers are there. And so because we had to go into hospital to get the swimmers out, they want the most swimmers. Mm. And it was a quality thing too, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Freshness. Yeah, and freshness, all yeah. yeah. Yeah, don't waste them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So... The first part of the journey that didn't go so well, what are your recollections of that? that we, it was a factory. Yeah. It was a factory. There was like so many women in the waiting room at any one time, which is an indication of um, how many people want to have children who can't naturally have children for whatever reason, and it's just astronomical the number. But it was like a factory. There was no real care. It was... No different than going to the GP and you get your name called by some receptionist, off you go and they do a little bit and then off you go. Mm. That's and the blood test. That's the blood test. It was give you the suppository to stick up your clacker. It's all that sort of, all <laughs> that sort of stuff. That was through Nikki. That was the big No, you got that the first time as well. No, no, no. I didn't have it going up my clacker. Yeah, you at did. The time. No, no, no. I, oh, I reckon you did. Um, <laughs> the needles and then I had to put stuff yeah, up. The yeah, the suppositories, yeah. No, the suppositories have to go up your bum, remember? No, that was progesterone and the progesterone which through the first clinic would go through my vagina, through the second clinic, which was Nikki, would go yeah. through my bottom. Okay, yeah. yeah. Oh, sorry, her bottom, not her bum. <laughs> <laughs> and what, what was I saying? Oh, sorry, I've just got this image of you now. Well, well you, were just <laughs> say, <laughs> you were just saying about the fact that it was a factory. It was a factory, and then when things went wrong, which they did, that you go in there, and they're nurses and doctors and all of that, the doctor didn't want to know you. The nurses didn't want to know. It was a case of, oh, okay, yeah, no, well, there's issues. Make an appointment and go and see the doctor. Was and that the specialist or was that the that clinic? Was the spe- that was at the, cl- at the clinic to see the specialist. Well, right? yeah, the, the two don't, don't generally talk a lot. Yeah, but, no, but thing. he was the treating person through that clinic. Yeah. Right? And oh, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we then had to go, and he was attached to the clinic, i.e. the same building or next building. Yeah. We had to then go over there, and the only answer we got was go to the hospital. No, it was go home and wait. Or go home and wait and then wait go to the emergency if you have to, yeah. And no, we, no, she didn't even mention emergency. Yeah. So we knew what was like, happening. We wanted to know if there's anything, like as in a miscarriage. We wanted to know what to do and there was just nothing. It was like, oh, hang on a second, you've paid all this money. It hasn't worked. Next, please. Yeah. Oh, you can go over in that line over there. That's where I, how I remember it. Yeah. It was a, just a horrible experience for people who are already going through, and not they're not saying us, but everyone there, yeah, the women a, there or whatever, challenging time. already going through a challenging time. And that clinic just made it so much worse. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then when we went and saw Nikki Sides, it was an entirely different world. The costs were about the same, mm-hmm. right? And so, but she was caring, everything was handled properly, and you were looked after. From the moment we walked in the door, you were the priority, except for the blowjob. <laughs> you were the priority. Yeah. And that was what I remember from it. They looked after you. They told you everything that would happen. They would show you what was going to happen. The other place, yeah, no. Yeah, and the difference between the first and the second was that I had because they were, they were doing the bloods there, like they had a testing facility there, laboratory, whatever you call it, and so therefore they wanted to take bloods. They had to financially, well, this is what someone said to me, they had to financially validate what they were doing. So therefore they were taking bloods three, at least three times a week. Whereas when I went to the second clinic, they said, oh, come back in two weeks. We'll see you in two weeks. Yeah. Like, don't worry about it. And you don't have to come to us. You can go somewhere else. Mm. It was just convenient for me from where I was working at the time that I could just walk up there and have my bloods and then go back. Um, but it was just a lot more relaxed in terms of the yep. approach, but still caring. Mm. Like they still talk to you about it and, 
you could go and see um, like a therapist, you could have counselling, all of that sort of stuff through that so process. It was all well. available, yeah. 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 And the other thing that I do remember is, which I was quite surprised with, um, after they did the egg insertion in you the first time, Yeah, we said, well, when will we know if it's worked, if she's pregnant? And they said, she's pregnant. Mm. I'm like, what do you mean? They said, she's pregnant. We've put the egg in. And that was actually absolutely logical and put it down to a dumb guy brain or whatever, <laughs> but a lot of women also wouldn't think it as well. Because if you think about it, when a woman conceives naturally, they generally find out when they're six, four, anywhere from four, three, or three or four to six, seven, eight weeks, sometimes 12 weeks' time, mm-hmm. that they're actually pregnant when things, oh, shit, I haven't got my period, or whatever it happens to be, whatever sign my breasts are sore, mm-hmm. uh, whatever it happens to be, that's when they find out, or that's when they begin to suspect, and they go off to the doctor who says, yep, you're six weeks pregnant, you're eight weeks pregnant, you're nine weeks pregnant, whatever. Mm-hmm. So they've gone over that first bit. Now, a lot of women will have miscarriages in those first couple of weeks before they even know, and they may just think it's just a heavy period, mm. right, or whatever, and they don't actually know. The difference is with IVF, you know from the second they put that egg back in. So if anything starts to happen, you start to cramp, you start to bleed, you can't start to do anything, you already know yeah. that it's highly possible you're having a miscarriage. Yeah. And I think that psychological part was such a huge impact on you, on me, on everything. Mm. Because, you know, it's like, holy shit, we've got to hold our breath for the next six or 12 weeks. Yeah, yeah. Huh? There's no surprises. No, there's no surprises. There's no, like, surprise, <laughs> Just one. You know, and a little bundle of joy. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And do you remember the difference between the process of putting the egg, the fertilised egg back in between the two places? No. You weren't there for I the first there one. I wasn't there for the first one. I wasn't no. there in, I don't think. No, it happened sort of at lunchtime or something yeah. like that, that I just had to go in, you know, open my legs, put it in, and yeah. that was it. Yeah. See you later. And then um, for the second one, you were there for it, and we actually, like... Saw it on the we, Yeah, they showed us on a video screen. Yeah, you can yeah. see it. So they actually had my little Petri dish with my name on it, and you saw them pick up yeah. the fertilised egg, and then that came in and was put inside of me. Mm. So you actually saw Yeah, you saw the process. entire process. Yeah. The whole process with Nikki Sides was brilliant. It was like staying at the Hyatt Hotel in Saigon versus staying at some dingy thing in the back of Denyar or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it, it really was. It's just worlds apart, and I would never say anything good about the first place, and I'd never say anything bad about the second. Mm. Yeah. Yep. And there's a lot of good people work at the first place. It's just the process that they had. Yeah, it was yeah. just just different. Yeah, I think. it was yeah. factory. It was factory mentality. Yeah, and that's my thoughts. Yeah, and they have a lot of doctors going through them as yep. well. I think. And a lot of people would have gone through there quite successfully and be very totally. happy with it too. So it, I really do say they are my thoughts. I'm not someone who holds a grudge except every time. <laughs> um, and, and yeah, they, they can yeah drop off as far as I'm concerned. Hope yeah. they go broke. Yeah. <laughs> do you remember our first ultrasound for Teddy? Do you remember when that happened? No, not for the first one. I remember the 20-week one when she told us it was a boy. And I'm like, are you sure? <laughs> really? And she said, well, that's definitely not a girl. <laughs> and we, yeah, we had a big discussion because I was like, I can't see it. But yeah. our first one was around seven weeks where we got to see the heart beating because that's oh, the yeah. first organ yeah. Yeah. that actually yeah. is formed. And so that was really quite beautiful. Which always one. makes sense too. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, totally. But it's kind of like... I wouldn't know that stuff yeah. if I had never had a baby. Mm. Like, I would never have, you know. Yeah, well, you were interested in netball. Yeah, you were that's interested right. in children. No, that's exactly right. Mm. But these things that you kind of learn along oh, the way yeah. along that kind of journey. So thinking about 
Do you want to talk about the miscarriage or do you want to talk about, and not from their yeah. side but from our side, as in the doctor side, talk about um, from our side and your... The, oh, the guy the feels patient. useless. Yeah. From, from the male's perspective, when Suze was having a miscarriage, you, you don't know what to do. Well, I didn't know what to do um, because there's nothing we can do except hold your hand. And be there for you when you burst into tears or when you just want to lay in the lounge or whatever it happens to be. Mm. The only thing the male can do, because we're not going through it, we haven't got the pain. We haven't got this little life that's disappearing. We haven't got anything like that. You know, we've got the thought of a child, yeah. right? Um, because at that stage, that's all it is, mm. is that there's this little baby's going to grow inside your, your tummy. But at the point of the miscarriage in those early weeks, it was just an egg or an embryo, a tiny little embryo piece that's no bigger than a thimble or whatever mm. that um, you've probably passed blood clots that are bigger. Mm. Right? And so, yeah, for, for our side, for the male side, there's very little that so, we can do. Yeah, so just as background, our first IVF um, ended in miscarriage at six-week mark. The second round of IVF we had to stop... Um, prior to going to egg pickup because the doctor wasn't available. Um, so we – and that was – Go them. Well, yeah, but that was also with Nikki sides. So that was under that, that realm. Oh, um, it was the other one. No, it was with them. Um, and then the third one was Teddy. So – and they always sort of talk about how many eggs do you want to put in? <laughs> and our answer yeah. was always the same because they're like, we can put in two we could we no. could put in three and we're like, nah, no, we're just putting in one every single time. And then there's a quality of the eggs too. So the eggs get graded. And so say the egg pickup for me was normally on a Friday. So then they would ring, I think we the first clinic we had to ring them um, at a certain time to find out how many eggs had survived. So I'm pretty sure there was 11 both times yeah. at the both egg pickups. And then some of those um, eggs would die through the, the time and then they would say, You've now got seven. One of them's a grade. I can't. I don't. Ever, I can't remember what the grades were, but one's a grade blah, and you've got three grade blah, and four. You know, three grade whatever the next level down was. Um, and the same sort of thing happening within the other clinic. The only difference is that they would ring us, so yeah. they would get onto the phone and ring us and tell us the quality. And then it was on the Wednesday that I that I had the egg, the fertilized eggs put back mm-hmm. in. Yep. Yeah. And so thinking you know we're pregnant and well let's if we look at the miscarriage a little bit more just because there was a few issues that were happening was for me was cramping and bleeding do you remember that yeah yeah and so when we come to teddy's pregnancy that sort of the cramping was never there but the bleeding was certainly there and do you remember some of those times no 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 I remember playing netball on a Saturday afternoon because, I, you know, we hadn't gotten to the 12-week mark. I was still playing netball. Everything was still going quite well, and I felt good as well. Um, but there was uh, – I could just feel myself bleeding through the game. There was quite a lot – it felt like quite a lot of blood. And um, I ended up finishing the game and then got in the car, but I had to put a towel down because it was going to be that, that damp, really. And then, um, yeah, we went straight to the hospital that night. Did we? Yeah. Okay. And that's where we met Steve. Oh, that's right, yes. I do remember that, yeah. Yeah. So we went into emergency. Steve's the doctor who eventually delivered Teddy. Yeah, he was amazing. Yeah. Um, I have to think of his name, but he was the head of the fetal medicine unit and we didn't know that at the time. He was head of um, maternity. We didn't know that at the time when we went in there. And he was like, he was just connected. 
He was easygoing. What yeah. do you need? Still, when do you need it? Yeah, I still remember when he found out Teddy was IVF. He said, well, this is a very special little one, yeah. so we're going to have to make sure that we can do everything possible. Yeah. 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 He was, he was just fantastic. Yeah. And he said to us how, you know, what's your plans for delivery? Because Nikki Sides didn't do delivery. And he then we said we didn't have anything at that point because we hadn't we were still early on we hadn't made that decision we just needed we knew that we needed to and that's when he made the offer of us going through the fetal medicine unit mm. and going through him yeah. and we went okay yeah and he was best one of the best decisions we ever made it was yeah. just absolutely fantastic yeah so we kind of gone from nikki to him and never missed a beat yeah. really yeah, and even at like so the twenty week mark we had an ultrasound with him, and then there was probably another there was definitely another appointment like I'd been to see midwives and stuff, but there was another appointment with him, and he I, he was sort of saying how are you going, and I was pretty flat at this point like we were probably I don't know six months in, and I just sort of said I'm not really feeling like any movement, I'm not really sure anything's going on, and um, he said no worries, let's do an ultrasound, and I went what <laughs> like. Nobody ever just, oh, in my experience, a doctor would go, here, here's the, here's the um, script or whatever you need, go off and yeah, have a, your Here's your referral. Here's your I'll referral. Stand, I'll let you know if they find anything. Yeah. yeah. And he was like, no, 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 come over here, next room, let's go, let's do this. And yeah. Teddy was had his thumbs up to us at that yeah, point. That's right. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. So that was pretty cool, wasn't it? Yeah. But we did have a couple of episodes of bleeding through that. And what he explained was, and nobody had explained this to me, was the fact that when they do the egg pickup, there is blood like from healing within the uterus and that blood is either absorbed into the body or it's expelled. And so mine was being expelled. And he said, this is completely natural. Bub's fine. You're still pregnant. So just wait, wait this out. Not in a bad way, but just wait this out. It won't, it won't last forever. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Do you remember much more about Teddy's pregnancy? Took nine months. <laughs> yes. Any complications or anything that oh. you noticed or any challenges? No, not really. Not during the pregnancy. You were you were pretty blasé. Yeah. yeah. You were pretty blasé. It's almost like, mm, yeah, if it happens, it happens. Well, I was. Yeah. And I remember Russell came over that day. Yeah. Russell and Dana came over that day, a particular day, and I was still playing netball and Russell was like, why are you still playing netball? And I'm like, well, I don't know if this is going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, but apart from that, no, not really. It was, you know, it wasn't terrible sailing or anything else like that. So yeah. it was fine. It was like, yeah. Yeah, I think that you probably thought the world wouldn't change. That was a conversation we had many, many times where, well, so what? We're having a baby. We'll still be able to travel. We'll still be able to, we're still having those conversations at that time. Yeah. Uh, we'll still be able to do this and go out to dinner and do this and do this because we used to travel a lot and we used to go out an awful lot and everything else. And, you know, we, we'd have a great time because, Shit, my kids were growing up. They didn't want to be with Dad. And um, Sue sort of didn't believe that that would stop <laughs> or, or at least slow down to a trickle that is barely moving <laughs> because nothing in the world would convince her, like most new mothers, that the world was about to change forever. <laughs> and so, yeah. So, apart from that, no? <laughs> nothing else. <laughs> and... She was a prude loop, <laughs> But the world obviously did change. Oh, she, really? 
<laughs> no, she too much. And our lives have changed because of it. Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. 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 And we've literally flipped our whole life. And I, we were talking about this recently that perhaps Teddy has been the catalyst for more change than we actually expected. Like the move up here, do you know what I mean? Like the move to, to Queensland. That's got nothing to Teddy. No, 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 but it changed our holidays. So our holidays went from flying around the world yeah. to let's just go, let's go camping. camping. You wanted to do that. I know. Right? Beyond, this is <laughs> and me. we can still talk about that first camping trip that I'm still recovering from. Well, you'll get over that one. You were a pain in the ass that weekend. So, you know. It was challenging. Yeah, was you were still a pain in the ass that weekend. I did everything. Yeah. Yeah, because I was done. Yeah, well, so you just had a thumb up a bum and just stared out of the ocean. Yeah, yeah. I was, yeah, I was really struggling. Yeah. So let's talk about that then. Let's dive into that well, side of the the other side. Teddy's born. Oh, that changed the world, um, obviously, for, apart from the fact that suddenly you've got this little you know, screaming machine in the back. Um, See, so yeah, I left out the screaming shit machine bit. <laughs> That it changed the world, and that I think that is where the biggest impact to me happened. Mm-hmm. Is that my boys were grown. I'd been married previously for just under twenty years, and my kids were the youngest was twenty one and a half, and the eldest was I don't know how old was Mark twenty five or twenty six or something. So they didn't want to know Dad. I was free. If I wanted to go play golf on a Saturday, I'd go play golf. Sue went to netball. This is the whole thing with Sue's, like, I'm not having kids. She'd go to netball or I'm going out with the girls or whatever it would be and I'd go play golf, do whatever I like, go to the flying ground like fly remote control airplanes for hours on end, jump on my motorbike and go for a ride for days. It didn't matter. Then came Teddy. <laughs> and I was like, but, but where's my freedom? I've earned my freedom through 20 years of not having it. Where's my freedom? Yep. And gone. Yeah. Absolutely gone. This bit, bye-bye. I was like, okay, who put my freedom on the bus and when does it get back? <laughs> and so, yeah, that, was the, that remains to this day the biggest challenge. But there's a flip side to it. Tell me. The flip side is freedom sucks. And when I say that, it's kind of like... The fantasy of it, or the reality of it, doesn't match the, fan- match the fantasy. That's what that's the side of it. And I say that about a lot of things in life these days, but it's true. Like if you're at home and you've got Teddy, or you've got your children barking in one ear, you've got your wife not barking but saying, "Hey, can we do this?" or "Can we do that?" and you're thinking, "Right, I've got to do this. I've got to do that. I've got to do this." Can I have five friggin' minutes of peace where it's just quiet and I can do whatever the hell I want? And then the next day, they're gone out. Say, Susan's gone out with Teddy or whatever it is, and they've disappeared or it might have been an overnight trip, whatever it happens to be. It's like, why is the house so quiet? <laughs> what am I going to do now? Well, Chris, you can do whatever you like. You've got the you know, 58,000 TV channels. You've got your mercantile airplanes. In those days, you had your motorbike. You've got this, you've got that. Do whatever you like. Yeah, but I'm too bored to decide. <laughs> And that would happen a lot for you. Yeah, and even... absolutely. And two seconds after you go, it's like, hey, <laughs> I'm on the phone. Hey, what are you doing? <laughs> uh, I'm a token on. When are you coming home? In two days? <laughs> Why? Why does it take that long? Because <laughs> <laughs> we're going to get a few things. Yeah. You're like, but why didn't you take me? Because you didn't want to come. Because you didn't want to come. But the house is too quiet. It's like a morgue. <laughs> yes. And so there's that real challenge there. And that, I guess, has probably been the biggest challenge for me. Excuse me. That and um, the change in parenting. <laughs> I mean, it changed when I 
parented my other boys as well. When I was a kid, I can still remember the sound of my dad's belt going out through his pants as you're about to get it. And boy, did you get it. And then when my boys were growing up, you weren't allowed to use belts, but yeah, a wooden spoon was still okay occasionally. Uh, whatever, unless you're broken on them, then you're always hitting them too hard, apparently. <laughs> but nowadays, it's like, explain it to them. I'm like, why? He's a baby. <laughs> and, <coughs> excuse me, I stand by that to this day because there's certain things you explain to children and there's certain times and things where they just do as they're bloody well told. Right? And an extreme example of it is, and this is extreme, but it's very, very recent, is there's a debate going on now whether or not you should be asking your baby's permission to change its nappy. Mm. I mean, seriously, get a free life. <laughs> All right, so where things change, and they do change them the better because you shouldn't be sliding your belts out to whack your kids anymore. I right? shouldn't, probably shouldn't have been doing it back then, but it was the way of life then. Um, so they do change for the better, but it can be taken too far, and that is just an absolute prime example of where it's being taken too far because whoever actually put that on paper take them down the back and shoot them because it shouldn't be in the gene pool. Uh, they might breed and they're going to have more idiots. So, yeah. <laughs> but there are different approaches to parenting now than they yes. were back when you and were raised and when I was raised yeah, as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then, yeah, when you were raising your kids, very different. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. And the, the more time, I spend a lot more time with Teddy or just having discussions with him around things and you're like, just get to the point. Yeah, and that's still the case, and I guess that will probably always be the case. Yeah. Uh, I'm getting slightly better at it, but I'll never be as good as you. And I say this not because Susan happens to be sitting next to me, but she's absolutely friggin' brilliant when it comes to the way that she does explain things to Teddy and the way that she can turn him around through talk, you know, whereas I turn him around through a growl. Um, or I growl, and then I'm nice, and he goes, oh, wow, Dad's being nice to get down. <laughs> and he comes back. But the growl, my patience level... Is never going to be what Susan is. Hmm. I like to explain things to him, and so yeah. that he understands it. And yeah. then he goes, "Oh, I get it now." Yeah, and, like and he's seven. Yeah, he's seven, and so I like to explain it too. I'm sixty. You're seven. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So take us back to the my you know darker days when the postnatal depression was yeah. sort of happening. You didn't. Did, yeah. Yeah. All right. No. No. Yeah. You didn't want to accept it. You didn't want to believe it. You didn't want to acknowledge the fact that you had it um and so lo and behold anyone including me who would try to i guess help or suggest or anything else because that's when you needed you know the sutures to stick your net head back on <laughs> if you don't believe me come out with the scar they're laying on my neck and they're still here <laughs> i'm still here um and i guess from the male side again, and going from the male side, I had no idea how tough it was for you mm. and just how debilitating the postnatal depression can be. You know, we've all read about it, we've all seen it, we've all heard stories and whatever, but until you actually experience it, or in, which I hope no one ever does, and I know they will, so it's sad, but there's no way to understand just how debilitating it is. <coughs> it's a mental illness, right? It's, it's your mental well-being, and so it's no different to a lot of other things. I think that the world in general is coming to accept mental health a lot more than what it used to be. I mean, there used to be a place in Sydney called Callum Park, and it was a funny fun. Okay. And if you had mental issues, that's where they'd send you, and you'd get locked up. And that's when I was a kid. 
Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and that's because mental issues, well, you're a friggin' fruitcake. Yeah. And so they lock you up. Nowadays, it's actually accepted and therapy and everything else is coming. Now, I don't believe that's totally driven by the fact of American, but a lot of it does come out because that's, they've had it for years. Mm. You know? They haven't really accepted mental illness, but they've had therapists. Um, and postnatal depression is enormous and it's a very, very serious one and one that I believe should be given a hell of a lot more focus than what it is in the medical world because we didn't get, that I remember, and correct me if I'm wrong, I'm sure you will, any talk or any assistance or any forewarning of what it could be like from anyone during the whole pregnancy. <coughs> no, no um, but that could be on my part too. No, I, I was at most of the meetings. Yeah, I'm not saying, but I ne- it was never something that I raised as well. Like, you know what I mean? Even if You didn't we, raise it when you had it. So. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what I mean. Like, yeah. I didn't do any research around any of the, you know, yeah, but, what's gonna, what's breastfeeding like, what's birth no, like. I, I didn't I, do it. I, I didn't go to those baby classes. No, I, I, I didn't get do that, that. But postnatal depression is something that they should be absolutely not training but forewarning or forearming because being forewarned is, is forearmed, right? Mm. Um, giving you the information you need that if it does assist, this is if it does hit, this is what you look for, and this yeah. is how you can get help, and these are the things that can actually help you. And that didn't friggin' happen. No, and I don't know if it does now. I mean, we're seven years later, and I don't know if it does now, right? because what you hear about now is the tragedies through postnatal depression. Mm-hmm. That poor lady close to us here who committed suicide four days after her son was born. Tell me, yeah. Yeah. I think it was no, no, it's six nine days. Weeks. Or nine, nine weeks. Yeah, within weeks of yeah. the child being born, leaving the father alone. Some people say, oh, my God, how could she? Well, friggin' hell, get a life. Yeah. Because the to toughest her, decision that she would have ever had to make. That's right. To her, there was no other way. To her, it was the decision that actually saved her child and her husband or whatever because you know, we don't know and no one will ever know. Was it going through her head that she could have become one of these mothers that didn't take that step and I'm not I'm not advocating anyone ever takes that step right but that couldn't cope didn't get help and drives them into a dam as we have seen so many times in the last few years yeah there have been dozens literally dozens of children killed by their mothers driving them into dams and things like that yeah and we've got to stop and look at why is that postnatal depression how can we educate people? How can we actually put the tools in their hands before it hits them so that they know mm. what's coming, so that they know where to get help, so they know and understand that the world out there will understand and look after you. Yeah. They're not going to look at you like they did yeah. 50 years ago when I was a baby or 60 years ago when I was a baby because back then they just smacked the woman around the head and her in hospital, mm. uh, Literally. That, but that they will actually look at you and treat you with compassion and care and help you get through it. Yeah, the only thing that sort of comes to mind around any sort of intervention that was kind of possible was one of the match nurses who came to our house. I think we had two sessions where yeah. they would come to our house. One, they checked the linen. Do you remember that, the bedding for Teddy? And then they were like, no, you've got the wrong bedding. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, like how much more do we need to do? Like yeah. what's the next steps? But then they came, she came one day with a form and I knew that if I ticked one way, that was postnatal depression and if I ticked the other, day, other way, she'd walk out the door. And so I chose for her to walk out the door. Mm. Because I, 
for me, the only things that I had known at that point was a GP and specialists around things. And I just didn't have that trust of what I would call the Western medicine system, um, that, that that was going to be able to help me. And, of course, we were also going to the nurses, you know, the community nurses regularly, and we were just – I felt like we would say this is the problem because Teddy wasn't sleeping um, or the breastfeeding issues. And so they would come at me with solutions which was one of them was he's in the um, the baby carrier and if you just rock it and can you hear that because the click, the click. attachment to the yeah, yeah. the car seat yeah. was there she goes you can hear that click click and then he will go to sleep and and of course he did it for her but I could be there for 24 hours and it not ever happened yeah. for me or when I was told um, to start using a breast pump and that was one of the worst decisions I made because that then led to the mastitis which you know. 50 mils, 160 mils, and then surgery. Um, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So to me, it comes down to education and it comes down to actually having the, the stuff in place to give you the tools you need because I don't believe they're there now. And is that both ways? Like, it's not just about the mother, it's about the father being educated as well around yeah, what absolutely. the warning signs are and stuff like that. What the warning signs are, you know, <laughs> because. Guys, and I'm not saying this because I want to be bad to guys or whatever. Guys are too wrapped up in themselves. Their wife's had a baby. Well, that baby, how long is it? Since, how long will it be before we can have a nookie? Yeah. 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 And um, they, they are. That's just. It's guys. They're still looking at you. They're not. They're the woman, and I'm not a woman either. Their body has changed. They've been torn, ripped, stitched, stretched, everything. Right? And so their body has changed to them. Forever. Mm. Yeah, some go back to the way it was, some don't. But even the feelings, even the sensations, your internal sensations, the sensations you have during sex, whatever it happens to be, it's definitely changed. Mm. The guy, no, he's still going to get a hard on and say, hey, hun. And the woman's eyes are hanging halfway down past the teeth because she's so tired. He's been to work, so he's knackered. And he's like, you've been out all day. What have you been doing? Yeah, what have you been doing? What the friggin' hell do you think I've been doing? So there's <clears throat> that level of education. It has changed. It's better and better. Yeah. It's better these days than what it was even when I was young. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> when I was away anyway. I was in the Navy and I was always away. I was away nine months of the year, so my ex-wife had to do it all. Mm. Uh, but um, oh, what am I saying? <clears throat> so, yes, yeah, so the guy's definitely educating. Yeah. Definitely educating as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, excuse me. I sorry mean, about that. If you look back at that journey, and like I was asked this recently, would I change any part of that journey, or would I change the journey and the fact that I actually had it? What would your answer be to that? No. Yeah. No, I would change. If I could change the journey, I would change the pain that you suffered. Mm. Um, me, no, nothing. Um, maybe open my eyes a little bit wider to just how devastating it can be mm-hmm. for, for you, in our case, obviously. Um, and the only part that would change is the pain that you went through. And by that I'm not talking the physical pain because the physical pain of having a child, it's never going to change, mm-hmm. whether you have a caesarean or whether you have a vaginal, vaginal birth or whatever it happens to be. Uh, it's That's nature. Mm-hmm. But the pain that you can feel and suffer afterwards, yeah. that, yeah, absolutely, I'd take that away. Yeah. I, I would take that away in a heartbeat. Yeah. If they turn around to a guy and say, well, it, it can be taken away, but we have to cut off your right hand. And if you cut off your right hand, it's going to go away. I'd cut off my right hand. 
Uh, it's because it's just looking back at it now, not tuning it because at the time I didn't recognise. I recognised some of it, but not all of it, and I didn't recognise just how bad it was for you. <clears throat> but looking back at it now and knowing what that was like, mm. I wouldn't want anyone, let alone the woman that I'm with forever, to go through it. Yeah. And why do you think that you couldn't recognise it then? Um, I think life. I think that's just life. Mm. You're just it's, trying to survive. Yeah, you're trying and... to survive as well. I mean, you're home with Teddy. I'm working. Mm. Uh, I'm used to going to work early in the morning before Teddy. Like I'd get up at 6.30 and be at work at 7, 7.30 yeah. every day. Yeah. <clears throat> Suddenly you can't do that. Well, you could initially. You could initially you, while, while you were at home. home. But then, when, you know, then, then when things start to change, you can't do it. So for the guy side of it, we're, we're changing our life as much as we need to change to fit in. But by doing that, we're also trying to minimise the change, mm. which is kind of like a non-acceptance of the change as well. Mm. So you're trying to minimise what you can or have to change so that you can continue to go out and play golf or go for a motorbike ride or whatever it happens to be and the world will continue to spin. Mm. And so when I come home and you're there all miserable and sad and whatever, I say, oh, what the freaking hell's wrong? I wasn't that bad and crass or whatever. No, no, no. But, you know, a lot of people are, yeah. right? What's wrong now? What's for dinner? Yeah. yeah? Um, or I'll cook dinner. Yep, I'll grade up for some work break of 10 hours. I'll cook dinner. And so you just try and survive. And it's not having a go at me. It's not having a go at you. You're trying to survive recovery from childbirth and this little bundle of joy that is driving you absolutely around the twist. Mm. Who you die for, yeah, but who is also driving you absolutely around the twist. I'm trying to survive this little bundle of joy who is driving me around the twist, who is will you shut up and go to sleep. Mm. Right? And my wife who is like, okay, what do I do here? Do I go right or do I go left? Do I put the dish down on the left-hand side or the right-hand side? Or there's something going on here, not quite sure what it is. Yeah, waiting for her to go off. And yeah, not, waiting for her to go, go off, off or yeah. not go off or whatever it happens yeah. to be. If I put it down on the side, <coughs> maybe she won't go off. Yeah. If I put it over there, she might go off. And then I do the reverse and then she goes off anyway and I'm like, fuck. Yeah, and so that's just survival mode. Uh, but, and it's not until afterwards that you can actually look back at it. And if you look back at it and you're honest with yourself, if anyone looks back at it and is honest with themselves, they can see it. Mm-hmm. And they, they can see because you take out the emotion side of it and you, you look at the facts, the black and white of it. How was it going? And it's the same with everything in life. And if you take out the emotion, yeah. everything comes down to a, a black and white thing. Yeah, that's the happening. facts of the situation. Yeah, the facts of the situation. So yeah. if you take that out, and you look back at it and you can determine and you can see where, holy shit, I got that wrong, mm. right? Or, holy shit, you got that wrong. Mm. And in our case, it's, holy shit, you got it wrong. You should have spoken up, but how do you speak up? Mm. That's, that's part, part of, of my struggle. Yeah. yeah, that is part of it. Yeah. And for me, it's, holy shit, you got that wrong. You didn't recognise it. Yeah. <clears throat> and how come you didn't get that support that she needed? Yeah. And how do you forgive yourself for that then? I don't know there's actually a case of forgiving yourself. Mm. I think it's a case of learning a lesson mm. uh, because you've done nothing wrong. You've mm-hmm. done nothing wrong. I've done nothing wrong. Yeah, but there's an uh, element, and forgiveness might be the wrong word for you, but there's an element that of a layer for me that's been about forgiveness for that whole experience. And I remember there was a, um, we'd gone to childcare and we were dropping Teddy off and we'd gone together and I was off talking to one of the carers and the director of the childcare said, oh, thank goodness you're here um, when your wife comes. She's here too long and it's not good for Tim. Yeah, yeah, and we got in the car and I was just like, 
oh, you told me and I burst into tears. And because I was actually, one of her carers was really struggling. So I'd actually gone to spend some time with her. And, um, and then I just said to you, perhaps I haven't told you the whole journey. And I need to tell you more. Yeah. 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 So I don't, I don't know that forgiveness is the right thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is, but I think that you need to look at it or people need to look at it, not you specifically. Yeah. Um, as a learning thing and an understanding mm-hmm. that you did absolutely nothing wrong. I did nothing wrong. You did the very best that you could without that. Mm. Without you, didn't they? You don't have a guide. They've always said parenting doesn't go with a guide. <laughs> and the it, book isn't available. Yeah. <laughs> and it doesn't matter who's done it and when they've done it, it's always different. You can do it from one child, yeah. have another child, it's entirely different. Their personalities are different. Yeah. Their needs are different. So it's always going to be different. So there is no book that anyone could do. Mm. I mean, people have tried. There's billions of books out there on how to raise a child, and most of them are crap. They've all got good ideas in them. Yeah, but, it's, but it, you can apply some of them to you, right. and, and some of them you've yeah. got to let go. That's right. Yeah. So I think it's, it's a learning thing. I don't think it's a forgiveness thing. Yeah. yeah. So looking at where we are now, thinking about sort of wrapping this sort of in a bow of some sort, and not, not a pretty necessarily pretty bow, but looking at where we are now, um, what are you most proud of, I guess, from, you know, from where we've come with this journey to where we are now? You. You. You, you went from being an elite athlete uh, that who, I might have rose-coloured glasses on, but you were absolutely brilliant at what you did <laughs> uh, yeah. and everything else who was so dedicated and so focused to what you're doing. And you were someone who you'd say, come on, let's go here. I mean, you know, go to Fiji for a weekend for someone's birthday. Go to Hong Kong for a weekend for your birthday. You know, whatever it happens to be, we, we just do it. You went from having that to having Teddy, who you struggled with in that first instance. So it was almost like, hmm, why are they putting this thing on my chest mm. <clears throat> when he first came out? That to someone who would hold on to him so tight it's like, okay, let him breathe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, but in such a dark place, in a, in a place that was so dark that a lot of women never get out of it. Mm. Yeah, um, a lot of women take those horrible steps or those drastic steps. A lot of people, like whether it's them, whether it's kids, yeah. whatever, whatever it happens to be, a lot, of, a lot of people never fully recover from it and can never work past it. My mother was one. Mm. That um, to look where you are now. You've worked so hard at being a mum. You've stuck to your guns when everyone's telling you, including me, that you've got it wrong. And no, you don't explain to a two-year-old or whatever it is. You've stuck to your guns knowing naturally what Teddy needed and what Teddy really, how he works. And regardless of whether it was me, your mother, your sister, whoever it happens to be, you've like, no, I've got this. And you're stuck to it. So people could say, well, she's a bloody idiot. But they look back now and say, isn't she wonderful? Mm. Uh, and so you've gone from that place there where it was incredibly dark to an incredibly good mum to someone who is so accomplished in your chosen field now, in this field, that and you've just excelled at everything that you've touched since then. And I think Teddy was a lot of that. Mm. 100%. Uh, yeah, Teddy yeah. gave you the strength that you've then taken to apply that strength to the rest of your life, yeah. to everything in your life. Yeah. Uh, and so what am I most proud of? It's you. Oh, thank you. Uh, absolutely, hands down, always will be. Yeah, amazing. And you just touched on a really good point around, you know, like Teddy has been that driver for me, 
oh, I'm getting emotional, but um, why renamed him Teddy? Yeah, watching West Wing. (laughs) (laughs) And we went through the American presidents. We went through the characters. Yeah, we like them. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we were watching West Wing and um, Jed. Yeah, Bartlett. Bartlett, Jed Bartlett. But no, it can't be Jed. Jed wouldn't let. But then we went back through and I love the story of Teddy Roosevelt and the teddy bear. Yeah. In 1921 or whenever it happened to be, and I probably got the year wrong, the toy maker wrote to the president, Theodore Roosevelt, and asked him if he could name a toy after him. And he gave him permission. It was a little bear, and thus was born the teddy bear. Yeah. And to me, that was just absolutely brilliant. Loved it. Done. Yeah. And funnily enough, so then, and I can't remember the year, but he gave the speech, The Man in the Arena, and that's about Daring Greatly, and Brene Brown talks about this as well, is the man in the the arena um, is is the one that is doing the work, and Teddy brought that out to me to go and do the work. Yeah. Yeah. So, awesome. Well, I think that's a nice way to wrap it up. So, is there anything else that you would like to add? It's a hell of a journey. Whether it's, it's the it's first. It's gone really quickly too. Like, yeah. do you look at that and kind of go? Oh God, yeah. Well, I've how got, much we've created in such a small period? I've got of time. children who are in their mid thirties. Yeah. Oh, trust me, you don't have to tell me how fast it goes. Oh no, no, no! Uh, <laughs> not, a, not necessarily Teddy's age, but just you know that journey. That's it's been. Eight, it'll be eight years in November. Yeah, but the, the, the whole sort of... the whole journey's gone past. It's mm-hmm. gone past for me with my other boys. That's what I mean. Yeah. Uh, um, if I, you look back now and look at me or I look back and think, holy mackerel, Mark was born 30 however many years ago, 33, 34, 35 years ago, mm. to a lot of people out there, a lot of people who listen to this, that's longer than their lifetime so far. Mm, true. So, yeah, it just goes so fast. And so much happens. And one thing everyone should remember, who's going to care in 12 months? <laughs> Well, who's going to care in 10 years? Yeah. Right? So if that yeah. child is driving you batty right this very minute, five minutes' time, they've forgotten about it and they're like, Mum. Yeah. Yeah, and they're so, giving you a cuddle. And, and they're giving you a cuddle. Yeah. And so you, you let it go, water off a duck's back. Yeah. It's hard to do. So there's a man who gets cranky all the time. But <laughs> you can do it. Excellent. All right. So what's bringing you the most joy at the moment? My family. Mm-hmm. My family. That's, that's cool. really, really quite simple and easy. Yeah. It's my family. And that's where you long to be. Yeah. 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 No yeah. matter, it's funny because Chris, you know, talked about it earlier around I'd go down to Tuckerong and then I get these phone calls. And then it's like he goes on a motorbike trip for two days and all he wants to do is come home. So. If I go anywhere, all I want to do is come home. Yeah. My yeah. family. Yeah. So what's one thing that you do for self-love? My wife. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Oh, that's the first time we've ever had that. <laughs> and what's one thing that you do for fun? Uh, for fun, golf. Golf. Yeah, cool. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, even though it challenges. And flying. Golf and flying. Yeah, yeah I have yeah. to. And lastly is you've given us lots of information here today. So if myself and the listeners could implement one thing in our life that you shared, what would that be? Um, look deeper. Yeah. yeah, look deeper. What's in, what's in the deeper? The reality, the truth. Yeah. The truth is in the deep. Don't look at the surface stuff. Look at what's behind the surface stuff. Mm. Because the surface stuff is just the emotion coming out. Yeah. What's driving that emotion? If you can get to that, it'll be all okay. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time today. Thank no you worries, for doing gorgeous. life with me. That's it's amazing. Right. <laughs> Thanks for having me. <laughs> See, I've got a baggy strange and needs a new carriage for me. <laughs> Did that just work? Dad just bought it. What did he say? The S word. What's the S word?
Teddy's looking at me now. He's just walked in. All right, bye everyone. Have a bye great bye day. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining me today. And I have a couple of small favors to ask. If you love this episode, please share it with someone you love and you know the episode will resonate with. Also, to help spread the word about my podcast, please head over to iTunes and leave me a review. I love hearing your thoughts about my podcast and what's resonating with you. Plus, it helps us share my podcast with the rest of the world, which is amazing. Finally, thank you so much for being here. I'm super grateful for you and I'm truly honored you've spent your time with me. Let's keep rising. Let's keep growing because it's totally possible to live a life you love every day right where you are. See you in the next episode.